Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 83, we welcome Ari K. Ari is the co-founder and chief creative officer of Sikalofia, helping women-led brands in femtech and DTC transform their website into a platform that unlocks business opportunities. She serves as a branding, UX consultant, and professional peer in support of fellow female entrepreneurs. Ari is also the co-host of the Halo Femtech podcast, a podcast that honors disruptive innovators and change makers advancing women's health. Ari, welcome to the show. Hey, Anthony. Thank you for having me in here today. So we're so excited to have you here today. Uh, why don't you just start like we do with all our first time guests and just give us a, a story overview of your career and kind of how your earlier experiences led up to what you're doing now. Yes. Oh, man. Every single time people ask me this, it takes me back, right, to like a long, long time ago. <laughs> All right, so 13 years or so ago, I started off my career as a graphic designer. So honestly, at that time, I, would, I just wanted to design. I just wanted to design, be creative, you know, translate all of the visual need that people wanted to see on a brochure or, you know, other print or collateral material. So even like packaging design. But the thing is that when I was, you know, kicking off my career in Bali, Indonesia, my husband, well, back then he was my fiance, he was generally just asking like, hey, Ari, how much do you actually get paid? And I was get, I get paid very little back then, Anthony. If you can't believe it, I got paid $250 per month back then. And he was honestly, you know, surprised by that. But then again, he, he's American, right? So going to the third world country like Indonesia, obviously there's a big gap in there. But I honestly, you know, from that experience, he opened up the world to me of this digital technology thing, data-driven, innovation, um, and I learned all things related to being a freelancer for digital design. So all things related to UX, UI, web design, um, all things in between. And it basically gave me, I guess, the motivation to learn more about all things related to digital design. So that's when I, basically shift from graphic design into all things digital. So learning everything on my own around UI UX, how does that impact, you know, a business standpoint? How can we really use, you know, not just the data, but also design thinking in really translating like what the business needs really are for converting, you know, more users or maybe like more sales on the actual digital platforms. So that's basically the kickstart of my career back then. And then when I moved from Bali, Indonesia to Chicago 10 years or so, or so ago, I was not ready to become an entrepreneur. I just got married at a time and then my husband had this brilliant idea. I was like, hey Ari, do you want to become a business partner? And I was like, sure, what could go wrong? Right? A lot of things could go wrong, Anthony, I'm telling you. It was a bad idea, by the way. Um, but, you know, it was really interesting because you get to learn so many different things and when you start being this, you know, entrepreneurs and then building your business, you wear so many different hats. You're looking at a lot of different things in business. And from there, I ended up learning so much more about business, right? How every single thing that we do around the branding, around the PR, around, you know, sales and marketing, how does that translate into 
you know, the KPI. What is it that we truly want out of, you know, the selling on maybe on your website or even when you go out there? Like, what do you need in order to really get to the goal that you truly want for the business? And surprisingly for me at that time, learning all things related to UI UX, design, um, and website, it wasn't really clear to me, like how would data really impact business decisions, right? But when you get into the, I guess like the practice and really looking at the data from the analytics and things like that, it plays such a bigger role. And I think that's basically when I also then start learning more about like how do UX research play yet another role in also helping more businesses understanding how they can connect more with you know their users, right? Not just creating a decision just because, hey, the business say so. Like, no. Based on UX research, right, you need to learn from the user as well. S hear what they have to say. Like, where is that gap and how can we truly close that gap? So from there, I, you know, move on into like this leadership on the UX um, research and design as well. And then the strategy. Now I'm more into like the branding part and I felt like everything have come full circle for me because UX strategy and UX, you know, user experience essentially is part of the brand experience and also part of customer experience as well. And you can't separate the three of these because they essentially like become this big, um, you know, unity in order for us to really reach our target audience. Oh man, I'm excited to talk to you because there's so many things that you do that I find interesting. And and so the entrepreneurial piece, I've had a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and I'll certainly ask you some questions about that. But what I, I wanna start with is, is, and it sounds like you have long known what your life's work is about in terms of what you do, like your focus area, you, you love the design, you love uh, UX. And and I wanna start with, with helping people understand. So. Oftentimes we see UI and UX bunched together and they're different things. And you focus on yeah. the UX side, if I'm hearing you correctly, right? Can you help folks that are listening understand what's the difference? What What is that first and foremost? Okay. UX is user experience. UI is user interface, right? So the thing is right now in our industry, people just like, you know, mash them into one. UI, UX, right? Mm -hmm. In a way, you you technically can't live, you know, without both of them or separating them. You know, it, it's not the right way to do it, in my opinion, at least. I feel like they belong, you know, hand to hand together. Um, but the essence really is like UX is more about delivering the right experience, whereas the user interface or the UI, it's around the look and feel, right? Is it really, you know, pleasing for us to see? Does it make sense to see the um, order of the design in that user interface? So I think for me, in my opinion, UX cannot stand alone without UI. UI cannot stand alone without UX, in my opinion. So we actually do both, although we do focus mainly on UX strategy first. Well, and, and it makes sense to me, too, if you think about the kind of continuum of like user interfaces, obviously, that where the human interacts with the yeah. software or with the product or whatever. But the the experience is, is a broader collection of interaction. And then the the brand and the overall um, connection to that um, 
to the success of your organization and, and to the, the overall customer's happiness. Customer satisfaction as a whole goes even beyond UX. And that's where you're pushing, it sounds like, further and further and where you have been able to leverage more quantification strategies in developing an understanding of, okay, how does UX get done best? What is our right UX strategy being mm -hmm. driven by data? Can you talk a little bit more about how you've started to evolve that? Because that's a, that's a really interesting area to me. Yes. Okay. So we're getting into a really fun part here, in my opinion. Um, every decision that we make, right, whether, you know, as an entrepreneur or as a business as a whole with an organization, everything derives from our own target audience. And with the UX background, I am an advocate for the user and has always been. And for me, when, you know, customers, um, my customer or my clients come to us and they would say like, yeah, we want to do X, Y, and Z. I often ask like, is that really what your customer need right now? And often it's like, we're not sure. It's like, well, why don't we ask, right? We ask, we, uh, we figure it out, we do the research. And sometimes, you know, most of your customers may not even know what they want or what they need. But when you do the research and really trying to understand where is that gap in their life right now that could potentially, you know, get influenced by either your product or your services or your solution in general, they're not going to think twice when they see it from your brand and then purchase it right away, right? It's just like definitely filling that gap for them because they have been maybe searching for so long and they finally see a brand maybe a solution that says like, this is it. This is finally the one that can fulfill my need or I can better my life. Now let's go back to the question that you answered around data as well, right? How can we really use them? How do we read them? How do we implement them? With all things digital, I think it's so easy right now because we have data analytics. So we can use and really see what happened through interface or even like through platforms that you're using. Almost every single platform that you're using right now has analytics, or at least at the very minimum can tell you how many people are on it. Take an example of Google Analytics, right? At the very moment, at the very minimum, if you have, if you don't have it right now on your website, please do have it. <laughs> it will tell you at least you know, a little bit of information about who's coming to your website, like how long are they staying, where they're coming from, like which page are they looking at, or even like which um, interface are they really using? Is it desktop? Is it mobile? Right? in the regions, maybe that's important for you. So I think by looking at those, you know, data that you have, you can at least make some decisions. So what do this decision really mean? Well, that depends. I know you people hate these questions and so they hate the answer like, well, that depends. But it truly is because every business, they have their own needs. For example, if you are a, um, let's just say that you are a fashion company, right? And you are definitely driven by a lot of people just browsing around on the web but they are mainly probably on their mobile because that's when they actually scroll through like, when is the next spring trend coming up? Like what is out there? They're probably not gonna look at all of these when they are working on their desktop, right? So that's another way to really look at what's the trend from your own customer? How do they shop? How do they find out about you? And where can you really put yourself more out there? Take another example, maybe from your Google Analytics, you found out that a lot of your customers are actually coming from Instagram or maybe LinkedIn, whichever one, right? Mm. These are outside platform beyond your website. If you do know that they have coming from, you know, third party application, like, you know, 
Instagram or even LinkedIn, you now know where to invest more of your time and investment, whether it's on, you know, through ads or maybe more through building connection on those platforms or just making more posts and content through that connect, sorry, through that particular platform. So you're driving more leads towards your website to gain more leads as well, or maybe convert them into buying customers. So there's so many different mm -hmm. ways to leverage your data from your website or even any other platform that you have. And a lot of that investment, a lot of that marketing, um, focus is, is, I mean, obviously entrepreneurs are thinking about that a lot of the time, but what I found interesting there is that we went from UX, which I think people put in one box and then all the way over to like marketing and investment strategies on advertising and, and all that. It's not that far apart. Like these are all very much intertwined. And what you said earlier on got me thinking too, is, is so often our companies, like we have this idea in our head that we want to delight our customers. And then what we do is we listen to what customers want from us and we try to deliver that and just that. And it's like, on one hand, we're like, we'd love to delight our customers. And on another hand, our delivery plan is literally to just meet their expectations. And yet yes. we're somehow expecting that to lead to customer delight. Um, that literally cannot lead to customer delight because all you are doing is giving them what they're asking for. A delight means something unexpected, something beyond those expectations. And so if you rely solely on what your customers are telling you they want, it will be insufficient to deliver exactly what you said you want to deliver. And so you have to go beyond. Now, the data can certainly tell you some of the things that you may need to know to be able to figure out what that is, but there's gonna be something. You have to be creative. You have to think about how do we go beyond what we already know from our customers and, and take that, and that's where innovation comes from. It's, it's giving them something beyond what they're asking for that you know that if given, they will love and that yeah. they will that will lead to, to delight, right? Yes, I love that you touch on delight. And it's not easy to create delight, right? It's definitely not easy, but there are, you know, brands out there that truly, you know, create a really good user experience, but on top of that, even delivering the delights. Now, Anthony, if I can ask you, is there an experience that you recently maybe have experienced around getting that delight? Maybe you went to a app or maybe you went through or visited a website Certainly, the, I guess the the thing that comes to mind um, was I, I had test driven a new car um, and thought I knew what I was getting myself into when I was test driving that car. I'd done research. I'd, I'd learned about it, but nothing quite clicked until I actually test drove it. And once I did, I pretty much went back to the dealership place and, and immediately ordered one. Um, and, and it was because I, I was blown away at how much I didn't know until I actually experienced what that product was. Yeah. And that's another, you know, example for that as well, right? Here's one example that we actually do here in our company. So whenever people book a time with us for an intro call and things like that, they typically already know that we will meet with them, right? On whatever date they've chosen, whatever time they've mm -hmm. chosen. But what they didn't expect is that when I send a simple video just saying hi to them, right? It's like, hey, I'm Ari, thank you for booking a time with me. You're really showing your face even before they get to actually 
you know, hop on a call with you. So that's another delight. I mean, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be interesting to actually get to know another person first before you actually schedule or before you get to the scheduled time with them? Just to kind of get acquainted a little bit more, right? So think about like what you said earlier, Antonio, like be creative in terms of like, what would be something that they may be not expecting, but can leave an impression, right? Another way to also maybe think about it is to create this, I believe this is called like shock and awe package. So I got this from a book, um, one page marketing by, oh no, I forgot the name now. It's okay. <laughs> the title of the book is one page marketing plan. And it really talk about like creating a shock and awe package where you're gonna create a bundle of gifts for your potential client. Obviously these need to be like high ticket client, right? So that it's, you can still justify the expense of creating the shock and awe package but really deliver the experience where you can mail these box. Maybe it includes some swag that they actually gonna use, right? Before they even get to an engagement with you, an actual project, maybe you deliver this to them and they're like, wow, nobody else sent me something like this. Like you're gonna stand out amongst everybody else. And again, it's gonna play into like your brand positioning, but also into the marketing side, but also around, you know, user experience. You're delivering another, you know, experience for your potential customer. It, it, it highlights something like there's so much more than the core thing, like whether it's your consulting company or whether it's your product company or an application company or, or whatever it is. There's so much more to that comprehensive experience that isn't just that user interface like we were talking about earlier, but is actually part still of that experience. And that starts even, like you said, before the first meeting, yeah. even when they've just said, hey, I'm interested in having a conversation with you. And you're already taking steps to give them a unique and delightful user experience, something that is unexpected, something that is appreciated and and is unique i mean these are things that i think we uh oftentimes are overlooking uh in our own businesses because it seems like we're just we're barely able to deliver those things that the the customers are asking for let alone yes. these delightful these these other things but it, it's one of the things that i i coach i do a lot of coaching around data governance and other like data analytics platform initiatives and, and what have you. And, and I've long said, like, don't shoot for what you want to reach, shoot for beyond that, because yeah. if anything goes wrong and you don't quite hit what you're aiming for, start by aiming further than what would be acceptable. And <laughs> like, that's a good place to start. And so if you can say, Hey, you know, we need to get releases out, um, you know, every month or every quarter, whatever the, the right cadence is, you know, mm -hmm. and actually I'll, 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 I'll go back to that, that car shopping experience that I found so delightful in this, in this test drive. I was, I had been, I decided to get rid of a car where the promises that had been made to me when I bought the car six months ago hadn't been fulfilled and that there were some rough edges and they were like okay we're going to give you a software update and that will solve these problems that we have and it's it's coming right away it'll be here in the next few weeks six months later still hadn't come and it was looking like many more months before they would be able to deliver on their initial promises and i'm like okay that's fine i'm the fool i'm out 
And so it was time for me to move on. But I will probably never buy another car from that particular manufacturer. And I'm not going to name any names, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, if you make a promise and you don't back it up, that's like the flip side of what you're talking about. You're saying, hey, deliver on things you hadn't even promised that they're not even expecting. That's even really good. But man, if you cannot deliver on core promises that you have made, be ready for the consequences of that, because now that's much, much worse than than just not setting that expectation. I mean, really, happiness and, and satisfaction for customers, mm-hmm. it all comes back to expectations. I've, I've done a lot of reading around expectations, and, and this is true in, like, interpersonal relationships. Most of the... Yeah. Uh, broken relationships you have is because the person that you are in that relationship with, whether business or personal, if they don't meet your expectations in whatever capacity, you are going to have a point of friction and a point of, of challenge with that. And that's where, you know, problems, you know, come from. And yeah. and so that's, it's true in so many contexts. I like thinking about how that pattern plays out so many different places in our, in our lives. That's big, right? I feel like this is getting so much bigger than our little discussion here. But I love it simply because it touch on the branding, the brand experience that we also, you know, mentioned a little bit earlier. And if you really look at it, there's this big, you know, giant universe of branding. If you look at brands like, you know, Google or even like Apple's or even like Tesla, they have this like very much a uh, big equity on their brand because they have established so many different areas around the UX, around the customer experience that also then, you know, create such a big equity for their brand. And we expect a lot out of these brands because they have already set their, um, you know, expectation first. They expect to do X, Y, and Z, and we know that they will deliver. So now going back to your own and even your practice or maybe your agency or maybe your organization, what does that even look like? How, where do you even start? So I tend to get this question a lot and this is going to sound very simple, but I would really start with, you know, you as the brand, what's your foundation? Anthony, you mentioned earlier something about your promise. What is your brand promise? Like, what is it that you truly want to deliver to your audience? What is that first and foremost, right? Before you make any money or outside of or beyond making any money, what is it that you want to do for your target audience? And then second. Right. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Second. No, no, no. I I, I was. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'll continue. Second. I would also. Yeah, please. Look at, you know, your persona, right? Your customer audience. Who are these people? You may already have them like listed somewhere in your business plan. Go back into it. Or maybe, you know, better yet, hire somebody that can help you through a brand strategy and figure it out if you don't have this list out or, you know, fully defined. Really try to understand like what are your customers, your brand persona hopes and dreams, right? Can we really get a deeper dive into what their life look like, what are their challenges, and what would make their life better, and see where you can come into their life, at what stage, what are the solutions you're providing for them, and how you can really create that connection between you, the organization, between you and the customer, and then build the positioning around it, the messaging around it, also, what you mentioned earlier, expectation around it. Mm-hmm. So as you do these things, and I imagine that a lot of 
lot of the folks out there that that have especially the entrepreneurs have been down this path to some extent or another before like this is something that they're trying to do um but they have they struggle to know whether or not they're they're being effective can what what advice do you have in terms of how do you know if you're on the right track like how do you know when like this is a path worth continuing to pursue or if you need to say oh start over this this isn't going to work yeah I would look at the data. <laughs> Yay, data, right? This is where you really want to validate how you feel with the data. And we're living in a place or in a world where you can really leverage data in so many different you know, ways possible. Now, like I mentioned earlier, if you have some sort of Google Analytics or any other you know, ways to track a data in your business, whether it's maybe around how many people coming to your website, that type of things or how many people actually get stuck on the cart like how many people come into maybe your booking page but how many people ended up booking the actual consulting um, that you have or maybe other you know things that maybe you're selling on your website like really trying to compare like if you got maybe like a hundred people coming to your website but there's only two people booking from your website what happened there is there something that's missing was there like a disconnection around the messaging or was there like a complete disconnect between where they're coming from and then where they want to end up in your, you know, in your web pages? Perhaps there's a broken link that you don't know. We need to figure that one out, right? So I would also then look at, you know, any other metrics that you have, maybe around like how many people really coming to um, maybe your website and then like how many stays, how long do they stay, or even like how many of these people actually get to maybe the end call to action you want them to do. Let's say that you started off your website on your homepage with a big call to action says book me now or maybe buy now, right? How many people actually get to that click? How many people actually get to that page and then proceed from there? So that's another, another you know, way to really looking at like, is your website or anything that you're putting out there even successful? Where's the disconnection that maybe you can fix or find out like mm-hmm. how to fix them? I would also maybe take a look at user testing as well, right? Maybe you or your team, or maybe you hire somebody to do a user testing to really figure out, is there anything that are broken on your interface or on your website or any platform that you currently have right now? Does the flow make sense? That's another reason also to think about, like if you have a broken flow, then you're not really delivering what you want to deliver, right? If you want to maybe say to the client or you know your customers, like they can buy everything within five minutes and you didn't deliver within five minutes, well, there's definitely something broken in there. So you need to figure it out, close that gap and then fix it. Um, the other thing too that I also wanna mention is we touched a little bit around user flow. There's this amazing tool on UX called User Journey. Are you familiar with it, Anthony? I I know of User Journeys, yeah. Okay. How do you think it relates to user experience? I think of it, and and I don't know if I'm right, because this is certainly not my area of expertise, but I, I think of it kind of like I think of data lineage versus data quality, where data quality is looking at a particular attribute a lot of the time or where a particular state is, but the the yeah. lineage, it's, it starts to look at that whole story, that whole connection of, of everything, whereas a, a customer journey, not unlike a, a human journey, will kind of evolve over time. It will go through different iterations of, of that of those experiences, multiple experiences that that um, person's going to have. Don't know if I'm right or not, but that's, <laughs> that's what I would think. 
you're definitely in there. I think you you get a sense of what it is and what it does, right? But essentially, you know, user journey is like a visual map of how your customers going to experience your brand, right? So starting from maybe the awareness. So the you know four principles essentially on user journey is AIDA: awareness, interest, desire, and action. So from the awareness on that stage, how do these people even get to know you? Do you know how they find out about you? If you do know, you know, really write it down and just really try and understand like what channels or what touch points do they find out about you? Is it through referrals or is it through maybe like Google search? What are these different touch points that maybe you could potentially also either influence or even, you know, create ads and maybe make an investment more on those so that you can then guide them from the awareness stage into the interest stage. Now on the interest, you probably already know and understand like these are the people who at least now have some interest to get to you or maybe buy from you or maybe get at least get in contact with you. How do you influence their decision from getting, you know, interesting, sorry, interested on your services, then convert them to become your client, right? What are some of the steps? What are some of the, you know, things that you can influence? What are some of the things they actually wanted to get out of you so that they feel confidence to buy from you? So I use user flow and user journey so many different ways for our clients because it really do help us understand how do you guide them from one point to the next until the end point that you truly want them to be converted into either sales or, you know, a long lasting customer. I like the idea of these customer journeys because I think about sometimes, you know, entrepreneurs, I mean, you can go on to Google Analytics and I, I'm on Google Analytics all the time. And, and I could see how you can see all these numbers and there's a lot of interesting numbers and, and like yeah. you could look at a whole bunch of stuff. But I don't know how useful it is. Like, I don't know if they're good or bad a lot of the time or, or whatever. I like the idea of these customer journeys because it's a little bit more of a qualitatively oriented analysis, but if you can, if you can step through those things, what I, what I like about it is that it can help you start to break down into more actionable pieces, what mm. you may want to quantify with the things that you would see in a Google analytics or in your page counts or in, in your WordPress site or whatever you're getting your, your numbers from. Um, yeah. I feel like that's it helps you break down that big picture thing into much more understandable chunks, especially as a layperson who's trying to navigate this. Now, if I worked with somebody like you who has all of this experience and all of this knowledge of, of working with many other clients and, and, and piecing it together, I would expect you would be able to understand, OK, this is a benchmark that's reasonable. Here's how you're performing against that benchmark. Here's here's what you might want to consider. Like, that's why we buy these services and, and, and get that help, because it is a difficult thing to, to learn on your own. But a lot of times, like most entrepreneurs, you may not have all the resources to do all of the things you want to do by hiring a bunch of services, you may need to scrap together the best understanding you can right now until you realize enough to know like, oh, I have a bigger problem here than I realize. I'm going to need to get some professional guidance on how to resolve that. Yes. And I like that you said, you know, you know, different areas on the user journey that you can also track, right? The big thing that I love doing in user journey is to also track the metrics. You can track metrics for every single stage. For example, you know, on the section for desire, right? How many people come to your website and what number are we looking at to know that there are enough people wanting to get in contact with us? 
Maybe it's the number of people who actually click on the book a call page, right? Maybe that's your metric. But maybe for another, you know, company, it could be like how many people actually get to the shopping page. So I think it's really different from, you know, one company to the other. And really, you know, I challenge you to really see like what metric matters for you. Because one metric that matter for one company can be completely different than other companies. So looking at the metrics that you truly want to track in every single um, stage of user journey is also very important so that you can understand what data you need and what data is relevant for you. It, it makes good sense. And, and, and I imagine that like this, it, not only does it evolve over time, but you're, you, you, improve through iteration like you try things out you learn from them you you get some direction you try more things out you get better data you try new data points you you, you start to evolve that particular understanding of what it's what's going on for your business versus what is the norm you know the normal or, or the the standard is is fine to a point and this is something that comes up in consulting all the time on the data side it's it's you know Every organization probably shares 80% of their challenges with a bunch of other organizations. They're all, you know, there's a lot of patterns out there. And, and like, this isn't, you know, wholly different from, from place to place. But there is some percentage, maybe it's 20%, maybe it's less, but there's some percentage that is unique to this organization. The specific people, the specific systems, the specific challenges that they have. And it's going to be the same kind of deal as you think about an, an organization and how they're trying to attract customers or delight their customers through what what they're creating every organization's going to need to have a slightly different view on those analytics on the on the data that that they can get about what's happening and their approach to dealing with that and how they are going to connect all that to their unique business to their unique customers and they're going to make it all work together as as best as possible yes i completely agree with you on that one i mean honestly even with your own um, organization right Anthony, you probably have different set of metrics that you like to track. And I also have different metrics that I like to track as well. So really looking at those would be very helpful just to not get overwhelmed with the data because data is everywhere these days. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you don't know how to read them because you don't know which one is, you know, the most relevant to you. So start there and to really look at if you were to create a dashboard for your own business, what metrics are relevant for you? I think that would be a really good start for, you know, from just really looking at what data makes sense for you and the one that you truly need in order to move your business forward. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned so that I just always think about it. It's like, our problem is not that we don't have enough data. Like we have, have data, there's data everywhere, you know? And, and so we've got to, we've got to figure out how do we find the useful data or how we find the things that will help us take better action, ultimately drive better decision making, take better action, ultimately success, uh, you know, in our business comes from those data driven behaviors and, and hopefully leads to, to productive outcomes uh, better than what we would get if we didn't do this stuff. That's the foundations of data leadership. That's data value 101. That is that is how our businesses work, especially now. The more we, we leverage data, the more that's important in our overall business success. Um, one of the things that I'm interested in, in, in terms of trying to navigate all of that is, is this notion of, uh, consumer research. And we talked, we talked, touched, uh, we talked about it briefly. Um, but I want to think about it a little bit more because the whole notion of like market research and marketing research and like that whole world is, is fascinating to me. Um, but when I think about consumer research, when we're trying to understand our customers, like, like we talked about earlier, 
They're going to tell us what they want. Customers aren't shy. They're like, hey, we're paying you. We we will tell you what we want. And as yeah. we talked about, that's going to be necessary but insufficient for customer delight. How do we figure out as much as we can about what those customers not only are asking for, but what what will lead to that delight? How do we dig as deep as possible in that whole consumer research world? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, sometimes we have this question that we would like to ask to our client. In an ideal world, right, what would be the perfect solution look like? And a lot of people would really just like letting go the things that they have as a company, whether or not it's around, do, do they have enough money? Do they have enough investment or funds and things like that? Letting go a lot of those. And then just really ask yourself, like in an ideal world, what would the solution look like to you? Or in an ideal world, what truly makes you happy? I think when you ask, you know, like a very simple question, but it's just so deep sometimes, you're really trying to really tease out, like what is this person really thinking? Right? What do they have in the back of their mind that they feel like, ooh, I wish a brand do X, Y, and Z. Ooh, it technically don't really apply to me, but I wish they do X. So I think with you know hearing a lot of these different notions or even like around different ideas, as creatives or even like as business owners, right? We tend to think outside the box. We love to innovate mm-hmm. and really challenge ourselves. Like, has anybody else tried to do this? Or what if we do X? What would happen? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of big brands are really taking the risk to do that, to be creative, right? So I would honestly start from there because that's one big question that I love to ask my clients as well, because you're really trying then to understand like beyond all the things that we're talking about, what is your dream? Like, what is it that you truly want to achieve? Mm-hmm if you're not tied with your own current circumstances. I'll stop there for now. <laughs> I, I, I love that approach. And I, and I will say, so I, I have to, I have to bring this up because it's, it, it remains one of the things that just, it happens more often than it should. It delights me every time it happens is, is when I go down a, an approach like that with a client and, and, and you know, I, I come from a technology development platform development space. So we're, we're building things and, and, and creating capabilities uh, from, from application software. And, and they're like, well, in the, in the ideal world, just, just make it work like Google, just make it like Google. And I'm like, that sounds great. I want to do that for you. Uh, the problem is, is that that's an extremely difficult thing to do to make things that simple. But it's still, and the reason I bring it up, is that's okay if that's their reaction because you can build on that. And you say, okay, we don't unfortunately have a billion dollars to make it like Google completely. Yeah. But what aspects of that do you really like? What are the things that you really want to get at there? Do you want to get... A, a list of, of results. Do you want to search for something using natural language? Like, tell me about this experience that you have with Google that you want us to go like that. Because unfortunately, we're not going to have an op- we're not going to have the resources to build Google to serve this whatever niche product that we're we're creating. But we can learn from that. And, and like, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, I'm like, well, this isn't going to go well for a moment. But we're going to get to where we need to go. Yeah. And and that I think is is the key. It's like the, if you have that kind of conversation, it, it doesn't have to just be go through it once. It, you can iterate. You can you can learn. And, and and I think what 
you know, one of the lessons that I infer from from this conversation, from the, the advice you're giving, is we have to find ways to make the collaboration and the dialogue in any of our circumstances bi-directional. We have to speak and we have to listen. We have to learn from one another and grow our understanding so that we can arrive collectively at the best solution. So it's it's not saying, hey, you're never going to delight your customers by listening to them. Do not take that <laughs> as that way. You have to start there and go beyond yeah. it. But that's how you get there. That's how you get to that idea that will lead to the delight. You got to know your customer even better than they know themselves to some extent so that you can do what you do best on top of what they already know they want from you. And you can then get to that point where they will actually be rabid fans of, of what it is that you've done because you've, you've understood them. You've heard them that well and, and have rea reacted and responded by what you do to, to give them even, even more than, than what they've asked for. And that's, that's really, really key as far as I, as far as I understand. I love it. And I think you also now touch on customer experience as well. And that's honestly, you know, what makes everything come full circles, right? When you deliver the experiences for your target audience and they, they have converted on your you know, digital platform and they have become your users, like your official user, AKA your consumer. And when they get back to you, they want things done and they actually now expecting some sort of like relationship out of you you need to deliver mm -hmm. on the customer service. Otherwise, you're gonna go back and trying to chase more people to convert into customers. And honestly, what more expensive? Is it to retain your current customer or gain more customers or new customers, right? It's so much cheaper to actually retain your current customer, especially if you are in a you know, service business, because then you have this you know, massive pool of people that you are building relationship and growing with them. So think about it as well. And Antonia, you already gave us the example of one of the brand that you, you know, did not meet the expectation. You had to let go and move on to another brand. Let's not be that brand. Let's actually deliver the user experience and, you know, the customer experience that people are expecting out of you. Yeah, I, I just in my professional career, I don't I don't think there's anything as special as when I have a customer who's invited me into their business to help them and, and has, has said, hey, I will give you money to help us with this problem. Like to me, it's such a it's it's such an honor to be asked to help and, and to, to be given business, to be given that relationship. The least you can do is the best you can. And so understanding those techniques, understanding uh, what, what the client's going through, having that genuine empathy for what their challenges are and, and finding ways to apply your skill set to help them or to give them a tool or, or an answer for those challenges. Um, to me, that's like if you don't love that, then find another business because that to me is everything. Like that's everything that you should want to do and learning these techniques, learning these lessons for our, through data leadership lessons, through these conversations that helps us all get a little bit better at how we do that interaction, how we help those customers, how we uh, interact and make our careers worthwhile, but ultimately help make business, make people's lives better in the end. And that to me is, is like, that's what's so exciting about this is that I hear what you are focusing on and i'm like this is not an area i spend tons of time thinking about all the time but i should i should spend more time thinking about this i should spend more time looking at the numbers i should spend more time understanding what will lead to delight for our customers because that's as important as it gets and so um ari unfortunately 
we don't have any more time. We're over time. Like, like we said pre-show, I'm like, I never get this on time. And once again, I've managed to either overachieve or underachieve, depending on your perspective. But we are a little <laughs> bit over time. So we'll have to wrap it up there. All right. Uh, before we go, what's what's the best way for folks to find you after the show? Yes. I am easily defined, to be honest. I can be found on LinkedIn, so you can Google me on LinkedIn. Sorry, you can search me on LinkedIn or Google me, and you're probably going to get to my website at cklph.com. Awesome. So thank you so much, Ari, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome conversation to have with you. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you all for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information about our guests and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 